the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll with your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian discuss current events from a biblical worldview, so we as believers can influence for good in our culture and in the public square. Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Hello, Biblical Citizens. Today we're going to talk about the battle to protect innocent preborns, which is never, this fight has never been more intense. The U.S. Supreme Court, we're going to talk about that. We'll soon decide a Mississippi case that could uphold the right to ban abortions after 15 weeks, which may undermine or even completely overturn Roe v. Wade. Other states like Texas and Florida have passed similar laws. On the other side of the spectrum is our own state, California, and and several in the east that are moving legislation forward that would not only legalize full-term, nine-month abortion, but would even, in some cases, legalize the taking of life post-birth. And we're going to talk about that. With us to make some sense of this is attorney Dean Broyles, founder and head of the National Center for Law and Policy, which defends religious liberty here and nationwide. Dean, brother, you're a great friend. Welcome. Great to be with you today. I'm excited to uh, share this uh, interesting saga we're experiencing in California. We we really are on the battle front lines here in California. It certainly feel, feels like it. So, Dean, You've spent most of your career, as I'm very familiar with, fighting for religious liberty, and you've won historic cases, including the right of churches to worship freely, regardless of government and public health mandates. Today we're talking about abortion, and I'm going to start with a really basic question, Dean. How does your Christian faith inform your views on abortion? I know that may sound basic, but guess what? Not all professing Christians are pro-life. Yeah, um, the, if the stats are right, about only 9% of Christians have a biblical worldview. So it's always good to start with Scripture and align yourself with that. Um, I mean, it starts all the way back in Genesis 1:27, where we're created in God's image, male and female. And then as we roll through Scripture, there's an affirmation of life throughout the, both the Old and New Testaments. Um, there's references to us being knit together and formed in our mother's womb. And um, so God is a God of life, and even if you look at the Ten Commandments, there's a prohibition against murder, um, taking of innocent life, and um, that's uh, been upheld by, by the laws of most countries, although some, some, some states have, have relaxed uh, the death penalty and things of that nature. But life is affirmed not only in Scripture throughout the Old and New Testament, but the um, but also in the law, in the formation of the law, uh, represents the Decalogue and, and the Ten Commandments and the, the prohibitions against murder. And so God, we're created in God's image. We're the pinnacle of creation, and um, we're different uh, than animals. And so uh, God expects people to treat people better than animals. 
And I, I just have a hard time believing anybody could be a professing Christian, say you're a Christian, but not be pro-life because, yes, every life is sacred. Every life should be deemed to be, you know, it's, it's a sacred thing. It's It should be protected. So, Amen. Uh, first, Dean, let's talk about the national scene on abortion and uh, this Supreme Court case that is, it has been argued, correct, but it has not been decided yet. It won't be for several months, but it seeks to restrict abortions to only up to 15 weeks, partly because we know that a fetus has a heartbeat around that time, so then it can be seen on ultrasound. It's much more apparent now that we do have you know, ultrasounds, and the science is showing us what we know from the Bible, that it's a life. It is not a cluster of cells or something. But how do you think the court will rule on this case, and what arguments have been presented that you think will be persuasive? Well, that's a good question. Um, it, there's, I mean, there's a lot of speculation about what the court will do. I, I would like to kind of focus on what the court should do. If you go back and read Roe versus Wade and even uh, more recently Planned Parenthood versus Casey, it, uh, and you look at the text of the Constitution, it's very, very clear that um, the right to abortion, so to speak, um, is not a right that's embodied or found in the text of the Constitution or is even implied in the Constitution. And so um, the idea that somehow the Constitution sanctions abortion and, and, and forces that on all 50 states is a complete lie that was fabricated by the U.S. Supreme Court in Roe versus Wade in 1973. And so We've been living with the uh, dreaded uh, rule of Roe for uh, decades now. We've seen over 62 or 63 million, they estimate, uh, babies murdered as a result. I mean, much more worse than the, the Holocaust. So um, I, we, we start, you always have to start as a constitutional attorney or as a historian with, with the actual text of the Constitution, just like we as believers need to start with the text of the Bible and try to align ourselves with that. But we've got a, um, a situation now where the federal government has abrogated or taken a right from the states and made it a federal right and has imposed it on all 50 states. And so I believe that um, there's probably a majority on the court, maybe five, four, six, three, who may be willing to overrule Roe versus Wade because it was so badly decided and has no, no, um, no foundation in our constitution or our history or the text of um, or even the development of law in the West. So it's, it's, a, it's a horrible right uh, to impose in the Constitution, and I think it's going to go away. Um, really? If it does really? go away, that, that, that doesn't mean abortion goes away, however. What that means is that um, each state will have to decide for itself. And so um, I know we're going to hit on California in a minute, but what's happened is um, because of, uh, we'll call them for lack of a better term right now, that these heartbeat bills are being passed in other states like Mississippi and Texas, um, California is really concerned. Uh, the, the elite liberals in the state are very concerned that um, abortion will be outlawed in probably about half of the states if Roe versus Wade is, is struck down. And so they, uh, the liberals met in September and then formulated a, a 45-point document in December, it was created by NARAL, Planned Parenthood, um, encouraged by our governor and several legislators. They put together a 45-point plan, um, and they're enacting that plan as quickly as they can because they want to make California an abortion sanctuary state and actually pay women um, and, and support women financially from other states to 
come to California for abortion tourism. Oh, wow. Well, and as you say, it not only is there not a right in the Constitution for a woman to end her pregnancy, I mean, where did they ever get that? Because it states right clearly that we have a right to life. And yes, a ba- an unborn baby is a life. So uh, it goes against it. But yeah, In our criminal law, doesn't just, it, doesn't it, isn't there a bigger penalty, Dean, if one murders a pregnant woman versus a non, not a pregnant woman? I don't know if that's a state law or a federal law, but isn't there some kind of additional penalty if you're, uh, in effect, killing two lives? Yeah, I mean, that's the irony here is that uh, if, if a mom doesn't want her baby, she can abort it without any penalties. And yet, if a third party uh, accidentally or intentionally kills the, the pregnant mom and her child, uh, he's, he can be, he or she can be prosecuted for two crimes. Which, so there's yeah. there's, a, there's which, a real split there between the criminal and civil law in that area. Yeah. Well, which is brings us to AB 2223. And as you say, I guess there's this panel of liberals that are getting together to implement their plan. And AB 2223, the law in before the legislature in California, not only legalizes, uh, you know, they want to have free reign to a, abortion pre-birth, but even after birth. And there, as I understand, understand that there's no definite even time period. It's just a pregnancy-related cause under which they can abort their own pregnancy. Or, I mean, it's not a pregnancy by then, it's a baby. It's, so, a, it's a live baby. And Dean, I know you've written on this, but I, for our viewers, one thing I wanted to accomplish today, we want to, is for you to help clarify this for us. Do you believe that this AB 2223 really does legalize forms of infanticide? Absolutely, 100%. And I believe that's the intent of the the author, uh, Buffy Wicks and her co-conspirators. Um, absolutely. And it does so by introducing a term that not a, a lot of people know about, the concept of perinatal death. But California yeah. isn't the first to try this. It was actually tried in Maryland um, earlier this year, and it was shot down pretty quickly. And then in Colorado, they attempted the same thing. And um, the legislators there haven't passed the bills yet. But the, the, the concept of perinatal death is just important for people to understand it. It's talking about generally the period um, before a baby is born and uh, after the baby is born. And the only question is, how long is that period? And perinatal death historically and scientifically and kind of medically has been, been narrowly defined in the past as a few weeks before and a few weeks after birth, one to two weeks before and one to two weeks after um, and so if there's a perinatal death during that time, that's a baby who typically dies of natural causes. The problem, though, is that perinatal death, um, the people on the left have been pushing for a expansion and redefinition of perinatal that uh, would include months, if not maybe even up to a year after birth. And so what AB 2223 uh, basically does is it, um, it, it says there, there'll be no uh, civil or criminal liability or penalty um, based on actions or omissions in respect to the pregnancy or actually potential or alleged pregnancy outcome, including miscarriage, stillbirth, or abortion, or perinatal death due to a pregnancy-related cause. So um, that could mean anything, this, couldn't it? What if a what yeah. if a sibling? What if a, what if a what if a sibling or some other person uh, killed the newborn? Would that even potentially be covered in this? 
Well, potentially. So let's let's go back. Let's we'll talk about who who could be involved, but I want to talk about the time frame. So if if, if you look at the terminology perinatal death, um, I just want to define this because it's really important. Because people say, well, no, they just want to you know cover botched abortions where the baby's born alive and then dies, and that that's the kind of perinatal death they want to cover. But but by the text and the terms of this bill and the definition of perinatal, that's simply not true. So perinatal death right now in other statutes in California, one statute defines it as 30 days for the purpose of that statute. Another California statute defines it as much as 60 days for the purposes of that statute. And as I said earlier, the death merchants and their allies are pushing to expand perinatal death up to a year post birth. That's that's horrendous. That's horrendous. Wow. We got to talk more about this. Stay tuned, folks. We're just going to take a short break. We got to get into this some more with Dean Broyles. There is more biblical citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Milanakis on K Praise. We are back with our good friend, Dean Broyles, constitutional attorney with the National Center for Law and Policy. So we've already covered a little bit about this, about our governor, Gavin Newsom. He is so pro-abortion that he wants to make California an abortion sanctuary state, even using taxpayer dollars to fly in women from other states and then paying for their abortions. So he would sign anything supported by these abortion extremists. So how likely is it, you know, it got defeated in Maryland and in Colorado, but our state is got has this Democratic, Democrat super majority super majority and so you know it's already passed two committees right this AB 2223 what are the chances that it may actually become law yeah I was able to testify against the bill in the Judiciary Committee um, about a month ago and then it, it passed the Health Committee last week in spite of a lot of opposition that we had over 2,000 people show up at the Capitol and rally and uh, do a press conference against a bill, which, by the way, the media largely ignored, or at least the secular media did. But um, I think it, right. it, it's, it's fairly likely to pass um, both the House and the Senate and maybe be signed by the governor. But um, I, I, I will say that with a caveat. I mean, when the people rise up and speak out and let their legislators know there's going to be a price to pay for, for the, the affirmation legislatively of infanticide, then, then we might be able to stop this. We stopped some really bad bills in the past 10 years that I've been really active in Sacramento. And so it's very possible. And so we're encouraging everybody to go to ab2223.org. That's a website put together by California Family Council. Get yourself educated on the bill and contact your legislators. Right now, um, it's got to go through um, appropriations, and then it'll go to the House floor, and then it'll go through committees on the Senate side. So there's still some time. But if, um, if people rise up, we, we estimate that not only 2,000 people showed up at the Capitol last Tuesday on the 19th, but um, more than um, probably tens of thousands called in and and, and expressed their outrage to this bill because it's really barbaric. Um, So when we we define perinatal death, it could be weeks, months, maybe up to a year after after birth. And it's all going to boil down to how a judge interprets uh, perinatal death in the statute. And the judge can interpret it very broadly uh, up to a year. 
But we know at a minimum it sanctions infanticide. Now, what the author Buffy Wicks tried to do or said she tried to do is limit the bill uh, perinatal deaths to only pregnancy-related causes. Well, as you were kind of hinting at earlier, a pregnancy-related cause um, is not defined in the bill, and it could be virtually anything. And I think the biggest barn door that could be opened is the whole concept of, for example, um, the idea, you know, most a lot of women, a high percentage of women get postpartum depression. So a, a, a woman could um, leave her baby out uh, for to be exposed or have somebody throw her baby in the uh, uh, river or lake or have, you know, like they do in Africa with, with, with disabled children. And um, she could claim uh, postpartum depression. And what it does is it really scares off um, uh, law enforcement from investigating this because it says a woman uh, or her boyfriend or accomplice or maybe even a doctor who helps the woman uh, kill the baby cannot be um, investigated uh, by the coroner, the DA, or the police or prosecuted um, in any way. And if they are prosecuted, the woman has a right to sue them and obtain damages of significant amounts of money. And so no prosecutor or police officer um, or DA uh, is going to want, or coroner is going to want to touch these cases with a 10-foot pole because it could mean the loss of, of, of their, their job and income and loss in court. And so it's a really horrific bill. Um, There's no way that that's not infanticide. I mean, it is legalizing it. You can't even investigate it uh, or, you know, you would be prosecuted yourself if you did. Maybe. I, I that's think, just I think this discussion has made that really clear and been very uh, un- enlightening in a really, in a really horrendous way. You and know, I know it was voted 11 to 3 to pass in the health committee, all on party mm-hmm. lines, all Democrats voted for it and the Republicans voted every, against it. Every yeah. single Democrat, which I know this yep. is still controversial for some to say, but do you think, I'm not asking you, that this is a rhetorical question, but if someone thinks they can be a Christian and a Democrat in 2022 California, I'd like to talk about that with you because that seems like the biggest stretch I've ever heard of. With what is going on right now, these are not your father's Democrats. No, and Jack Hibbs came right out and said that, Pastor Jack, you cannot be a Democrat and be a Christian, not with what's going on right now. Even just this this horrendous bill alone goes against all our values. So, Dean, next question for you. Worst case, if this bill does against all... Uh, righteous indignation become law. Um, Do you think it can be overturned in the courts? And if so, how would you challenge a bill like this in the courts? Have you thought about that? Yeah, I mean, we've started thinking about that because, um, you know, there's probably at least a 50-50 chance it's going to get passed. And we've stopped bills like this in the past. I mean, um, I, I was co-counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom and Nipple versus Becerra, where we, we uh, challenged and stopped a bill at the U.S. Supreme Court in California that targeted pro-life pregnancy care centers. So um, I, I think it'll be stopped, and I think it'll. I hope the arguments will be primarily that uh, based on personhood, right? That uh, uh, even even if there's an argument by some that I completely disagree with, that personhood does not attach or abide in the womb, um, 
I think we need to argue very strongly that a person with, with civil and constitutional rights, uh, a baby is a person, at least when they come out of the womb and they're alive and they're breathing on their own. And so I, I really believe that we need to establish that. And uh, I think that what's happened is, you know, our, the pro-life side has argued for, for decades that, you know, what's the practical difference between a baby uh, five minutes earlier when they're in the womb and a baby five minutes later when they're outside of the womb? You know, one, one has apparently some, some rights and the other doesn't. Why is that? And I think what what the uh, what the death merchants are doing is they're taking that argument and turning it on its head and say they're saying now there really is no difference if the baby's not wanted right the mom can terminate the baby before and after birth and I think that's that's barbaric with that that's principle tremendous. they could that could go all the way into teenagerhood couldn't it I bet you there's times <laughs> right. when parents don't want their teenagers <laughs> that's right. kind of a scary precedent hey, well, that there. could turn on to anybody anywhere like if if you don't like somebody you can kill them I mean, you don't want them around. Hey, I don't want this person around. I think I'll dispose of them. Yeah, unwanted unwanted pregnancy, unwanted person. I love it. Yeah. So I think that's, I I think we need to, one of our strongest arguments, I I believe, will be that it's a person with civil and constitutional rights at that point. Uh, A baby is a person and um, they should be affirmed as such. And to not do so is to be uh, barbaric and, and, and really to sanction egregious, murderous activities that I think a civilized society should not countenance. But let's hope that we can stop it before it ever becomes law in the first place. That would be the better idea. And let's fight for that. And yeah, churches should get involved. Everybody can send people up to Sacramento and, and protest. They're, the truckers were involved. Jack Hibbs Church sent thousands of people, and and we can do that too. Uh, we can I want to mention— and, the, and like you say, all the people that called in, that does have an effect, and that has shut down other vaccine bills that are up, I know. They don't want to put their names on it because there's such public outcry. Well, this should be absolutely one of those that they are ashamed to put their name on. You know, and I was in, a, in that regard, I was in a meeting this week with— with Senator Brian Jones. He was uh, beamed in from uh, Sacramento, and he said poll, very reliable polls show that 90-plus percent of all the people in California have some limit as to how far a woman should be able to go in her term before she can legally have an abortion. And the, the, num- the percentage of people, even in California, that think you can go all the way to nine. You should be able to go all the way to nine months. And I'm not talking about post-birth. I'm talking about up to full term is less than 10% of the population that believes that. So these legislators, these California legislative Democrats, they're way out of line with even their own base. And it's just it's just really disgusting. And a lot of them are funded by Planned Parenthood. Right. And Planned Parenthood is decreased in their revenues now uh, because of RU486 and other things. So they're, they are getting more desperate, it seems to me. Well, one, yeah, one thing I just want to add there, though, is, yeah, we can, we can point our fingers at the Democrats, but I really point the finger at the church and the Republicans because, yep. you know, if, if, if the church is not rising up on this, we're dead. I mean, yep. if the church is not marching, you know, I've been saying for 15 years, when do we get upset enough to march in the streets? This is a march in the streets moment. But the second point I want to make is that our Republican legislators have to do a much better job standing up against these bills. They have to do press releases. They have to speak out publicly against them. They have to, on those committees, ask very pointed and aggressive questions. 
cross-examining Buffy Witch, not letting this slip through. I mean, they could vote against it, but they need to speak out against it. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act in, in the face of evil. And if we don't speak now, um, we might as well roll over and, and die. And pastors have to speak out, too. Pastors like Jack Amen. Hibbs and, and other our pastor of Christ Community Reformed Church in Escondido. He's speaking out. He's he's a pro-life activist. He's working for abortion-free zones in Escondido. And so if you want to find out more about that, just email one of the pastors at Christ Community Reformed Church in Escondido. Yes. And uh, finally, Dean, I want to give you a chance to tell people about uh, the National Center for Law and Policy, just briefly, how, how people can support it. Because you're, you've done so much, like you say, for at least the last 15 years. You've won major cases on these COVID lockdowns. So how can how can our listeners support the work that you do? Yeah, yeah. So our, our website, and there's a donation page on our website, is nclplaw.org. It stands for National Center for Law and Policy, nclplaw.org, and you can support us there. Thank you and so much. Prayers appreciated, too. Prayers are appreciated. Thank you so much, Dean. It's been great having you again. To bless your neighbor this week, pray about getting involved. If you aren't already in the pro-life movement, call state legislators about AB 2223, the most satanic abortion bill ever, and consider supporting the National Center for Law and Policy. Till next week. Join us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.